Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, from Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee, we say a hearty good morning to you. Uh, I tell you what, just being able to watch you, uh, watch the band play and hear the good music and brought back fond memories of the moments and the days that we were there with you in Bergen County last March. And I came away telling uh, people all down here in Tennessee, man, they've got something great going on in Bergen County. Let's follow it. Let's copy it. Let's do it. Those guys are on the move. So I'm mighty proud of you and delighted just for the opportunity to be with you just for a few minutes. It's a unique pleasure to be uh, with uh, Matt and all you guys to uh, introduce my son, John. Now I have two sons. Uh, my oldest son is Andrew and my youngest son is John. And uh, it is a joy as a dad to be able to introduce uh, any of my sons to you, but especially John, because uh, from the moment he was born to uh, the, the age he is now, you know, I watched him as a dad knowing this is one of the most talented kids I have ever seen in my life. I mean, everything that he touched, just uh, it just turned to success. And uh, he came to me when he was 12 years old. Uh, I was in the news business and uh, he came to me when he was 12 and he says, Dad, I think God is calling us to make motion pictures. And uh, like any uh, person would normally say, well, that's good. See if you can do it. Now, I thought, man, he's on to something. So I said, go for it. And uh, so for the rest of his life, he's been making motion pictures. Started out making little videos around the church about missionaries. And they were very good. And they even got better to the point where uh, for the last 25 years, he's been, he's been uh, renowned at whatever he does. And uh, now he is in the motion picture business. I'm sure many of you saw his recent movie called Jesus Revolution. It's been regarded as uh, one of the two most important faith-based movies this year. There's been two movies that have uh, turned Hollywood on their heads. And uh, it was Jesus Revolution and also Sound of Freedom. Those are the top two movies uh, representing the faith-based community and all of America this year. Matter of fact, John and his team just won their 10th Dove Award for motion pictures here in Nashville uh, here about two weeks ago. And they were on TBN receiving their uh, Dove Award. So it's an exciting thing to see what's going on in faith-based motion pictures. As a result of what John and his team have done, every major production company in Hollywood has now opened a faith-based a division to make quality faith-based movies. But it's John and Andy and all of the team that have now become the gold standard for the way you measure what a quality faith-based movie is all about. And one last thing I'll let you know that's unique about John. I didn't even know this until Jesus Revolution came out, but uh, he is the first director in the history of Hollywood to ever receive four a-plus uh, grades, four in a row of A-plus quality movies uh, than any director in all of Hollywood history. Uh, most directors, if they get one A-plus, that's one, he's gotten four in a row, and that has never been done in the history of Hollywood. So he's quite accomplished. I'm mighty proud of him. I'm a proud, I'm a proud daddy, as you can tell. Uh, not only for what he's accomplished, but the man he has become. 
So I want you to enjoy meeting my son, John Irwin. Hey guys, I'm John. Uh, um, gosh, I, I, you know, I'm looking at a camera that's the stage, which I, I really appreciate the praise and, and worship. Uh, uh, great to there you go yes i was hoping you could do that very thing good to see you guys thanks for spinning the camera around i wanted to uh uh be able to see the audience uh but uh great to meet you yeah if I, the four a plus cinema score is probably the only time and only way i could get an a plus in anything i think when i was uh i i had to i had to do uh uh the lesser things on my resume i had to do kindergarten um twice because i was an adhd nightmare uh uh disturbance to the class um and uh it was sort of that star trek principle of like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one you know so it's like for the sake of everyone else john you stay right here and so uh but I, but i was creative um uh and uh and I, i'm grateful to be here and and uh and i'd love to just share my story um I'm sure I was prepared for this um, several times by my dad and by my assistant. But having said that, I, I don't really know exactly how long I'm supposed to talk. It's it's something very similar to uh, to Chris Pratt in the Lego movie when he's like, yeah, yeah. and they're like, Did you, were you listening? They're like, yeah, I got it. But say it all again, because I wasn't listening. So so just uh, someone on screen, like wave their hands when I'm supposed to uh, uh, shut up or answer questions. Um, but great to meet all of you, and I really <laughs> love you and appreciate the, the introduction. Uh, 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 I think I, if there's anything to know, you should know that uh, that God is just on the move in Hollywood. Christianity is really reclaiming its voice in Hollywood, and uh, you know I think we serve the greatest storyteller uh, of all time, and uh, so this is definitely a business that we should be in. Um, and we're just, we, we, we're in such a very interesting time in the history of the world and in the, in the history of Christianity. You know, I, I find it interesting that, you know, um, sort of the, the, the great to-do list, you know, the, the number one item is, is to get the gospel to the world. You know, um, I think it's in Matthew 24, I think when, when, uh, Jesus disciples say, you know, what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus rattles off a lot of stuff that, you know, seems very relevant today, you know, wars and rumors of wars and famines and all these things. And uh, you get to this verse, um, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And sometimes I think we, we sort of live there, you know, just like the, it's, it's terrible. Um, you know, let's just wait and endure till the end. <laughs> uh and it's easy to feel that way, but that's not where the passage ends. He says, you know, this gospel of the kingdom will go to to, to all nations as a testimony. Um, and then the end will come. And I, and I just feel like sometimes as hard as the world is, um, as hard as life is, uh, we forget that, you know, we have more opportunities to share the gospel than every generation before us combined. And when Jesus says to his disciples, you know, go to all the world, they didn't even know how big the world um, was, you know, they didn't even know the continent that we were on right now existed. And uh, in this distance medley relay of, uh, of the two millennia of Christianity, we're finally at a point where we can say, we can get this job done in our time, you know, we can get the gospel to the whole world, because the whole world is so knit together by technology. 
And I think what what's necessary there mainly is is a new mindset. Um, I like when Jesus says to Peter, you know, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A gate's not a weapon. Nobody's going to throw a gate at you. Nobody's going to attack you with a gate. You know, gates are meant to be stormed. And I think that's the attitude that we should have um, in, in business and in industry. And we, we should get after it. We should, uh, I like when Paul says of David that he served the purposes of God in his generation, you know, and it's fun to say, you know, the purposes of God never change. The gospel never changes, but a generation is constantly changing and we got to figure out how to serve God in our time. And a, a big part of that is, is harnessing the methods of our time. And I think entertainment is an important one. And, uh, and that's certainly what God's called uh, uh, me to. And I'll tell you just my story uh, very, uh, as briefly as I can. Um, although my, my wife and friends tell me I like to talk, the good news is that I'm in LA, uh, <laughs> the way this worked out. And so, and so I'm barely coherent. But I'm grateful to be to 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 be here and uh, and and to be with you. So so uh, my my journey did start when I was 12, uh, and then in in earnest. When uh, there's parts of the story that I wouldn't that that I'm not recommending. It's just what happened. Uh, and and uh, when I was 15, uh, a cameraman. I was an intern for a cameraman, and uh, a cameraman got sick at a University of Alabama. Uh, uh, football game and I, I guess I could say roll tide uh we born and raised in Birmingham Alabama and um and my 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 uh mentor called me and said hey John somebody's gotten sick at this game the kickoff's in three hours get over here right now don't tell anyone how old you are don't tell anyone you've never done done this before basically lie about everything but they 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 need a guy and uh and and get over here and so, I mean, lying, first of all, is a stretch. It was just neglecting to inform anyone of my age. And no, I'm not saying anyone should do this. And so I immediately told my dad because I didn't have, I didn't even have my learner's permit at the time. And, uh, and to his credit, he drove me quickly to the University of Alabama, dropped me off like four blocks away because I didn't want anyone to know I couldn't drive. And, uh, and then I walked up trying to, you know, speak in deeper tones and, and, and act older. And, and, uh, I just had the time of my life. I mean, I had, I had, I had worked on little cameras before and these, you know, if you've ever been to a sporting event, these cameras are massive and it's like, they're just basically telescopes and, uh, and set up like, like a motorcycle. And if you throw this thing called an extender in, which doubles the, the, the lens, you can zoom all the way into like a quarter of the moon. So I don't know what they were thinking in the production truck, but I'm this you know, conservative homeschool kid that's never done much of anything, just zooming this camera in and out of the moon, just having the time of my life. And, and, uh, it, and it was amazing. And, and, uh, I had, I had so much fun. They paid me $300. I had never seen that much money before. And so, uh, I was in at that point, uh, um, I school didn't mean much to me <laughs> after that. And, uh, uh, not just, and, and so, uh, I, I very quickly got a call because, you know, in God's providence, Birmingham, Alabama is right in the heart of the SEC, um, which is the best conference anyway. But, but, uh, uh, and so there's televised games, you know, everywhere. And, uh, and so I, I, I got a call and someone asked me from a crewing agent for a game in Auburn and, and asked me, are you a freelance camera operator? 
in Birmingham, Alabama. And I honestly didn't know if that was three jobs or one job. And uh, so I just said, yes, that's what I, I'm that. I'm a professional at that, and that's what I do. Uh, and I went and did a game in Auburn and started basically working for uh, ESPN. I think there's probably a life lesson. I think it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Like if if, if someone asks you if you can do something, uh, you know, very quickly say yes and then go learn how to do it. And uh, and and I do believe that you can learn just about anything. And, and sometimes it's best to just jump in. And uh, so I started working for ESPN and suddenly I found myself, you know, very much in a different world, like a circus, you know, the world of entertainment. And uh, and it was definitely uh, sort of a fish out of water, but I, I had a blast. When I was 16, um, um, my dad, uh, with money he did not have, uh, uh, frankly, bought me my first camera. Uh, and we he wanted to go to Israel to do a documentary. And we bought a camera. Uh, it came in the week before we left, and we went to Israel. And he helped me get a loan for $10,000 to, uh, to, uh, to get some editing equipment. And uh, it was the first time you could sort of edit with a Mac. And... Uh, and he said something profound that we're still trying to live out to this day. First of all, he said, uh, you know, if you, if you pay this off, it's yours, you know, it's your business, and uh, which I'm grateful for. And then he said uh, two things. He said, you know, go for the wow factor, like, uh, like make the audience say, wow, you know, good is not good enough, which we're still, you know, we, we call quality like the unattainable quest. And I do think that there's there's something to, you know, as Christians, whatever we do, we should just pour ourselves into. And, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen said, it's, it's not our job to make it easy. It's our job to make it worth it. And, you know, let's do the very best we can and and uh, go for wow, you know. And then he said, dream bold, dream big, uh, dream the impossible. And uh, we've been trying to live that out as well. And, and uh, you know, I do believe that life is too short um, for small ideas. And, and so uh, we just started making things and uh, things that, first of all, we went to Israel. We did that documentary. It was, it was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. It really made me fall in love with the Bible and, and it just became real. And, and of course, thinking through that, you know, just our prayers are with uh, everyone in that region right now um, and, and with Israel. And, um, and, and uh, what, what an incredible moment in time we're in. Uh, but I, I just remember that that trip so incredibly fondly. And um, and then we just started making things, things that I don't want to uh, even recall, like more weddings than I want to remember or, you know, promotional videos or videos for our church or videos for local car dealerships. Or I remember we did a music video. The first music video I ever did was for a guy named David. Um, he was a he was he was a car dealer, but he also had dreams and aspirations of being a a country music star and he called himself david uh hollywood nashville jones and i'm like pick one you can't be both of those things you can be david hollywood jones or david nashville jones, but you can't be david but that, that was his name and uh and we and we did a music video we did all kinds of things and and i think that um and just little bit by little bit learned and i think that's one of the other things that at least christians in my industry don't appreciate um, but I think is a, is a biblical concept of, of long seasons of preparation for seasons of influence and, um, and, and really a certain discipline. And, and um, I think what Malcolm Gladwell calls in his book, I think it's in um, Outliers, the 10,000 hour rule that anybody that there's no overnight success, 
um, you know, and you have to put your 10,000 hours in. And uh, it's nothing my dad said, which I, which I'm great. And nobody says this to, I, I don't, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I would say this to my kids, but he said, you know, if you really love this, you should give 20 years of your life to it because that's how long it takes to really be successful. I think at the time I was like, that can't be true. Uh, oddly enough, about the time he said that to the, our breakout hit, we did a lot of stuff in between, but our breakout hit, which was the movie uh, I can only imagine. Um, it was almost exactly 20 years. And so I, I had the good fortune of putting in time early, but the idea of just finding a life's passion, finding life's work, and then taking the time to really refine it. Um, you know, I love what Paul says, you know, when he's in Philippians, he says this one thing I do, you know, there was a focus um, and, uh, and, a, and a pursuit of something singular. And I think we, we, we lose sight of the fact that sometimes when you're just on a practice track for long periods of time, um, asking God, like, what are you doing? You know, uh, there can, you can be in preparation for a season of influence, you know, that's just around the corner, but you got to put in that time. And so we, we started making stuff. And then to this day, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know why he did it, but, uh, the, the music artist, Michael W. Smith gave my brother and I a break to do a music video for him. And, uh, and he came down to Birmingham and we filmed a video, uh, called, called how to say goodbye. It, it shot right to the top of the charts. Amy Grant soon followed. Um, it was right after Napster had decimated the music industry. And so uh, there were no two and $300,000 videos left. And sort of the industry at large was freaking out. And, and, and the established directors and Andy and I came in and, um, and just said, hey, somebody's going to pay us 15 grand to do a music video. Let's do all of them. You know, let's just do them one right after the other, which we did. And, uh, and again, that was just a great way to refine our craft. And, uh, and, and, and we sort of, sort of, sort of, uh, carved out a little niche, you know, and, and, uh, we were doing four or five music videos a month and maybe a car commercial to pay the bills and, and having great fun. And, and, um, and, but it was a career, you know, and then I went to direct second unit on a, um, faith-based movie, uh, that Sony was making, uh, uh, called Courageous, a movie about fatherhood. And, uh, and it was being made by a church in Albany, Georgia. And, and I went down there and, and it was a, it was a, it was a cop drama. And so they wanted to do a lot of uh, action sequences uh, involving cars. And, and, you know, they were making their movies, movies like fireproof with church volunteers. And, you know, this is never, this is never um, something to combine with action sequences involving cars, you know, somebody like, these are two great things to keep separate, but you never want church volunteers doing stunt work. And so I was called in to direct those action sequences and, uh, and to, uh, and to direct that part. And I love to blow things up and chase things around with a camera and uh, work with stunt crews. And, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and so I went down there to work on the film and sometimes uh, the best thing someone can do for you is to ask the right question. And uh, that happened. And uh, the director of that film, Alex Kendrick, uh, Southern Baptist as, as he is, the, the first thing he asked me was a pretty profound question. Actually, I think his first question was, he's like, uh, is there anything in your life that would take God's hand of blessing uh, 
uh, off this film. And I'm like, um, do you have I, do you have a pen and paper? I, I you know I, I'm I'm fairly dependent on the concept of grace and doing the best I can, but but uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, what a first question. But then his second question was uh, was basically, um, what's your purpose and the purpose of your work? And um, you know, I. I, I couldn't answer the question. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, the, I'm like the Han Solo of Christianity. Like if you have money, I've got a ship, I'll fly you somewhere. The rest is your problem, you know? Um, but uh, I'm a service provider and I knew I had a craft. I knew I had a career, but I didn't at the time really have a life's calling. And, um, and working on that movie was when uh, sort of, sort of a career fused with a calling uh, with the idea of, of of being a part of, um, I did a couple of films with Sean Astin, and I think he said it best. He said, uh, "I see you guys like you guys and the Kendricks and Dallas Jenkins and you know Devon Franklin and all those guys as like frontiersmen and pioneers." And uh, I'm like, "Thank you, Rudy. You know that's exactly what I want to be." And uh, and he said, you know, John, the problem is most most frontiersmen die on the frontier. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, they'll name trails after us and they'll be well marked, you know. But I do I do think it's an honor to 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 be involved in anything that's a, that's emerging right in front of you. And um, and that's a real privilege. And uh, and and so we we jumped in and we went from making things for other people for a paycheck to raising money for our own movies. And um, and I think Mike Tyson said it best when he said every boxer has a plan until he gets in the ring and gets punched in the face. Uh, and that's what we did. And a uh, little movie uh, called October Baby, we raised the money for and uh, raised the what's called the P&A, which is the advertising budget. <laughs> that means you're throwing up in a trash can, um, you know, on on uh, on Thursday night. Met some wonderful people. I think, uh, Matt, the, a mutual friend and my second investor in 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 Dallas was um was Raymond Harris is Raymond Harris just a wonderful man and uh wonderful friend and mentor and um he was one of the first investors and you know you just you just get taught these principles along the way and um and you learn and one of the things that Raymond really emphasized is this is is the idea of stewardship you know and uh you know that verse that we often quote well done good and faithful servant welcome, to, you know, enter into the joy of your Lord, you know, that's a business illustration. And it's said to a, to a steward that was, that multiplied what he was given and, uh, and, and stewarded it well. And, and, uh, you know, the verse goes on to say, you've been faithful and little, you know, you will now be entrusted with much. And, uh, and so it really became about how do we, gosh, people are giving us our, their money to make movies. How do we, how do we, how do we make their money back? You know, <laughs> And uh, and we did, and we did we did that film. We did a film uh, for Sony called Mom's Night Out, and then we did a film, first true story. We made first A plus cinema score, a film called Woodlawn, and uh, that my dad was the cha the chaplain of the Woodlawn high school football team. He had told us the story as children, and this whole high school had been saved from violence due to uh, uh, you know integration um, and racial tension by revival and uh and i almost didn't believe that it was true and as i researched it i stumbled on a magazine from 1971 and i bought it on ebay and it had a psychedelic cover you know sort of portrait of jesus 
and it said the Jesus Revolution. And um, and I read that article and just this article of the sweeping spiritual awakening that was happening in the most unlikely of places at the time with uh, with hippies. And uh, and I fell in love with that story even then. And and I was like, God was doing this not only at Woodlawn High School, but all over the nation. And uh, and 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 we made that movie. And it was the first time God really used the film. There was like over 25,000, you know, um, high school students that uh, gave their lives to Christ uh, as a result of that movie. And uh, and I loved it. We cast John Voight as Bear Bryant, which was a real treat. First Academy Award winning actor. But we had raised the, all the money to make the movie and about a third of the money to release the movie. And we didn't quite achieve the goals that we had wanted. We were sort of way out ahead of our skis. And it was the first time that I didn't, you know, we didn't get all the money back uh, for the investors. We got most of it, about two thirds of it back. Um, but I'm super competitive. I'm like, either either we win or let's play again, you know. And uh, but so I like I couldn't sleep at night. But I think there's a real risk in in Christianity and certainly in Christian art that we sort of back up the finish line to the results achieved and. You know, we say, well, well, God used it. The gospel got out, so it's okay that that we didn't accomplish the financial goals we had for the movie. And I was not okay with that. And uh, I launched into a five month post mortem, um, and we we solicited a ton of criticism from people that cared about us, that were inside and outside of the campaign. We asked them what we did wrong. I've learned that feedback is really way more about the person listening than the person speaking and creating an environment where the best idea can win and people can be candid and people feel comfortable really sharing what they think is essential uh, to business. And, and we listened. And out of that came a 170-page playbook um, uh, and, and manifesto and, and, uh, and sort of um, post-mortem. And that was the whole playbook for I Can Only Imagine, uh, was born out of studying failure and really listening and calling it what it was. And I, I remember writing on the page, you know, Woodlawn uh, financially, uh, you know, was a failure and it's my fault, you know, to lead is to forfeit the right to make excuses. And, um, and, and, and it was that study. And I really learned that, that it's actually failure. That is the great teacher. If you do it right, you know, and, uh, and, and if you learn and, and so that whole playbook, uh, was so valuable. And we, we, we went back around the track and we, we built, we made all kinds of changes. We, we, we innovated a lot of things and, um, and we deployed a new financial uh, plan. And then we also, we added margin to, to, to the, to what we did. And we built the next film. I can only imagine to break even at the previous film's box office, which was uh $15 million. Well, I can only imagine did that on Friday and Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's opening weekend. It's seventeen million. It's opening weekend, and uh, it went on to do eighty-six million. And everything in between was margin. It became the the highest um, uh, box office for uh, a faith-based film in, in a very long time. The, the the third highest box office for a faith-based film ever, and uh, and until uh, Sound of Freedom, which I'm so happy for everyone at Angel. There's a lot of friends at Angel. Uh, um, I brought that movie in and screened it for Lionsgate two years ago and uh, advocated for it and they passed and that's why bragging rights. But, uh, um, uh, but imagine was, uh, uh, was, was sort of on the top of the hill for a long time. And, and, uh, and, 
I just learned the value of, 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 of listening and learning to failure and, and, and not taking yourself that so seriously and just realizing that we're all sort of train wrecks that can improve that, that God loves. And, um, and then we got in business with Lionsgate and, uh, and I remember, I think curiosity is just the underrated virtue and, uh, and, and just a hunger to learn all the time. And, uh, we, we started talking to Lionsgate and they asked us what we wanted. And, um, and I said, I, you know, I, I want to be seen as an entrepreneur first and a filmmaker second. I really want to learn. Typically when you interface with a studio, you interface with a rep and there's a curtain behind them and you can't get behind the curtain. And I think of companies like machines, you know, and I like to study them and it's hard to study a machine that you can't see. It's almost like not being able to pop the hood of a car. And, uh, and true to their word, they said, Hey, entrepreneurism drives this building forward, have at it. And, uh, that's exactly what happened. And for the past four and a half years while weathering the pandemic, we've just been able to study, um, how a studio functions and how a studio works. And the big dream that God's really moving in me is that, um, my goodness, if, if Disney is celebrating 100 years and Warner Brothers is celebrating 100 years and these institutions that have been built, uh, you know, are, are, are a century old, why can't we make something like that? Something that can endure, something that can empower a lot of artists. Why can't we have a studio of our own? I don't see that as an impossible dream. I think the audience is large enough. I actually think that there should be almost like a statute of limitations on, on the word shocked. You know, I think... Uh, uh, the, you know, the, tr the trade press, I like it, but they're going to have to say, stop saying, you know, Christians shock the industry, you know, the faith-based audience shocks the industry. Like at some point we're here to stay and we're, we're the largest. I remember there's a, there's a, uh, I was talking to a, a, <laughs> a guy who's head of the, of the, pra of the media practice at uh, McKinsey um, there and he's in New York and um, he just had done a study on the faith-based audience and said, is this a wide audience or is this niche? And I said, how do you define a niche audience? Because they had they had studied the audience and their heads had popped off. And they 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 they're like, they thought only they knew it, but that there was just this enormous amount of Christians all over the world. And uh, and I said, How do you define a niche? And he said, by common affinity. And I'm like, Well, by that definition, it's the largest niche in the world. It's the largest global affinity in the world. And um, I think so many times Christianity. We just think of ourselves incorrectly, it's sort of like an elephant in a circus, you know, that's raised. And when the elephant is young, you know, they tie its leg to a pole with a rope and it can't go anywhere. And then when that elephant's huge and grown, they tie its leg to a pole with a string and it'll stay right there because it's trapped by its own mindset. And uh, I think in many ways, we're the same. We, we are an enormous audience when unified. And I remember... Uh, he, him asking, well, what's wrong? You know, why is there not, you know, a Nike in this space? Or I said, well, it's, it's, it's the world's largest affinity group, but it's fractured into pieces. And a lot of the products sit within one of those fractured pieces. And frankly, those pieces fight each other. And we, we've, we've forgotten that a house divided against itself, you know, cannot stand. And as Paul said, you know, if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you're not consumed by each other. But when, when enough of our audience unifies around an idea, watch out it is powerful and uh and i and i i think uh what do they say when your pain outweighs your fear you know change can begin 
I think, um, I think there's enough, there's enough pain that we're willing to unify, which is exciting. And, uh, and so that has led to our most recent film, which is Jesus Revolution, which is that magazine I bought all the way back on Woodlawn. If I had a nickel for everyone who told me that film and that idea wouldn't work, I could have funded the film myself. And, uh, and, and we almost had it up and running right when COVID happened. And, uh, but I was not directing it. I'd, I'd co-written it and I was producing it. And it just showed me again that even in your most disappointing moments in life, God has a plan and his timing is better than yours. And we had a film called I Still Believe that opened as the number one movie in America on Friday. But unfortunately, that was the weekend COVID, COVID you know, shut down the world. So it ended up in hindsight not being the best weekend to, to release a movie. My brother and I were directing American Underdog at the time. My writing partner was directing Jesus Revolution. And, uh, and, and both films were obviously shut down, as was the rest of the industry. And uh, it was a very disappointing week, uh, sort of being at the top of the mountain all the way down to the bottom. Uh, uh, for reasons beyond your control. Uh, but as the as the COVID restrictions eased, we were able to make American Underdog first. And then we had to wait longer for Jesus Revolution because we had to have so many people together. And, uh, you, know, and you know, you can't do a movie about revival when you can only have, you know, 50 people and they all have to be, um, you know, six feet apart. In American Underdog, all the crowds in that movie are fake because of the problem with COVID. Um, Los Angeles right so now. We, we made that film Three in the morning and, uh, wow. yeah. and, uh, we, uh, uh, I was able to step back into the director's chair on Jesus revolution, which was sort of what I wanted all, all, all along. And it's like, God had a plan. God had a plan and his plan was perfect, even though it involved a lot of disappointment and we made the movie and the movie came out this year and, uh, I've got it somewhere in the magazine, Newsweek magazine. Uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, but basically, uh, it released in February, which became like this month of Jesus, because my great friend and partner Dallas Jenkins, um, uh, his his show, you know, The Chosen season three, which ended with Jesus walking on water. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, it happened in, in early February. There were Super Bowl commercials, and then our film Jesus Revolution opened at the end of the month, and uh, and there were there was a spontaneous revival at Ashbury uh, College. My wife and I got to go and sit there on the second day of that revival, which happened also in the Jesus movement. And uh, God's hand was just on the timing of the film. And then and we, we said the whole time we were making the film, uh, you know, success would look like uh, uh, Jesus being back on the cover of time. And uh, that didn't happen. But Newsweek did uh, the cover of Newsweek like two months ago was Jesus with a clapper. And it said, because of the chosen and Jesus revolution and sound of freedom, it said, Jesus takes Hollywood, uh, which is really, uh, kind of happening right now. And it was just so cool. You know, I'd rather be a small part of something big than a big part of something small. And, uh, and, and it just showed me that God's just at work, you know, uh, in, in a really profound way and we get to be a part of it. And so all in all, we've had over 400,000 people reach out uh basically seeing the films and uh saying i need spiritual help we've put some numbers in the credits the first films to have done that in a long time and uh it just shows me that god god can use you like god whatever your calling in life is um if you'll stick with it long enough god can use it and uh and the time hey, is John, now if we could uh, wrap up just 30 seconds kind of summary and then we'll go to q a that's great i i, uh, I appreciate that it's uh 
it's because there's no in an award ceremony it's always the music you know or something that yanks you off the stage uh so i don't have that uh but uh uh but yeah i'll, I'll wrap up so so, so i think, I think uh, uh let me see if i'm back i think that you know i would say overall it's it's time for us to embrace an attitude like caleb in the bible you know when he looked at that uh that hill uh, or that uh, mountain, mountain. He, he told Joshua, Joshua you know, you know that's, that's the mountain, mountain I want. God, God give me that mountain, mountain you know. You know? Uh, uh, there's, there's a few, a few of, of us looking at the mountain with the Hollywood sign on it with that, that same attitude. attitude. God, God give us this, this you know. know? And, and, uh, uh, and, and I think that we should replace a mindset. We should replace the spirit of fear with the spirit of adventure. And we should replace a mindset of, you know, of defense. And, and sort of, of like, like retreating from culture, culture with a mindset of offense. offense. You know, we were we built, built to invade, and uh, and, uh, and let's, let's do it in the industries we're in. Let's, let's define ourselves with how good we are at our jobs, and then let's, let's use the platform to share the gospel. gospel. Uh, if it can happen in a crazy, it can happen from somebody that was not from only from LA in the sense of lower Alabama. You know, and God's using us in Hollywood. He can use anyone in any industry if we change the way we think. And. And, and, and I'm grateful to be, to be a part of that in, in Hollywood. So grateful to be with you guys. And, and, and Dad, thank you for uh, the introduction. Thank you, John. This is awesome. <clears throat> cue the music, cue the credits. Um, we actually have a lot of guys with uh, questions. They're eager to engage a little bit. So if you will, just uh, for a few more minutes, uh, sure. I want to open this up to, to uh, questions of the audience. We got one over here. Yeah, John, thank you for your work. I really enjoyed your work. Uh, wh when I was 12, my starter kit had uh, Frampton Comes Alive and uh, Farrah Fawcett poster, I think, when I was a little older than you. But wh when you were 11 going into 12, wh what inspired you to get into the visual arts as opposed to other arts, you know, acoustic arts and everything else? What, what drove you and did faith have part in that? Yeah, that's a great, great question. question. It's, it's um, you know, I, I think, uh, um, I think, again, I think curiosity is the underrated virtue. And I think what my dad did is he didn't tell me what to dream. He just allowed me to explore the dreams of my own and empowered those dreams to the extent that he could. And uh, I, I'm just a huge believer in curiosity. And so for me, uh, I just found a camera at age 12 and I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, there, was um, there was a cable, a cable station, station that my dad had a show on, on and they, they let my brother and I, I have keys to the cable station, station and, and go in at night and learn. And, and, uh, and, and it was, was just, just sort of an obsessive, obsessive hobby. You know, Bill, Bill Gates, Gates said something very interesting. interesting. He said, said, you know, whatever, whatever you're obsessed, obsessed with and you compulsively do between the ages of 12 to 18, you have, you have a good, a good shot, shot at being world-class world at. Uh, my, my business is a lot more like the NFL, NFL than it is business. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a brutal, you know, uh, highly, highly competitive, competitive sport. sport. And, and, um, and so, so I, I, I think, think you know, I just, I just had curiosity and I just learned and, and I just love the camera. camera. I love to draw the camera and I love to create. Above all, just that act of creation and manifesting an idea um, is, is sort, sort of my, my jam. jam. And, uh, and, and, and what I've learned is it transcends actually the visual arts. arts. I've learned that there's, there's a lot in my, you know, the ways I'm unique is 
I love the business and the art, and I love the art and the business. And I've, I've learned that the right business plan can be as creative as the right script. And uh, But the idea of what we get to do of, of really feeling a story deeply and putting it on the screen um, and manifesting an idea and being in that rare category of people that I get paid to do this, which is incredible um, and a privilege, but also when people come around you and help you manifest your idea, it's uh, in a way that's meaningful to people is, is I can't believe I have this job. So it was really just, you know, I, I, I lucked out. It was like lightning struck and I found something that, that I was intrigued by and I got to chase it for a long, long time and make a living as I did it. And I think finding that thing as early as you can and having, and having a specificity, a specificity to, your, to your to your vocational, vocational focus, focus is a is a gift and uh, uh, one that I'm grateful for. Thank you. Another question texted in: How did you get Kelsey Grammer to star in Jesus Revolution? How did you get Fraser? <laughs> How, did How did I get Fraser? Uh, yeah, the, the show just, just rebooted to Paramount. Um, I, uh, when, when we rebooted the film, like when we, when we got it back up after uh, you know COVID shut it down. Uh, and, uh, I, and I, I took the helm. Um, uh, uh, originally, uh, Jim Gaffigan was interested in the role, and, and that would have been very, very different, different and interesting, interesting, interesting movie. He's a cool guy. Um, um, but uh, I just really felt it was Kelsey Grammer, Grammer. and uh, uh, I just I didn't have a, I did not have a number two. Uh, and uh, you know, here, here's what I'll tell you: the principle of it. Uh, a good friend of mine's a writer, uh, Randy Wallace. Um, uh, uh, and before, before his, his breakout, breakout script, which was Braveheart, Braveheart uh, he, he worked, worked in, in, uh, uh, in Nashville, Nashville uh, in country music. music. And, and um, he said he had a mentor that taught him this principle. principle. Uh, he, he said, said you know, there was always a producer in Nashville that was crazy enough to not know you couldn't get Elvis on the phone. And he's like, that was always the guy that booked Elvis, you know? And just the power of boldness, the power of naivety sometimes, and the willingness to call. Uh, is sometimes, sometimes uh, you, know, you know, so, so many, many people, people that you think are, are completely unreachable are just on the other end of the phone, phone you know, and, uh, and, uh, and sometimes you just have to have the tenacity to be the one that calls. And, and, and that's, that's what, what we, we did, did with Kelsey. Kelsey. I knew his manager. I'd worked with Patricia Heaton a couple times. They had the same manager and, and, uh, their friends and we put in an offer. It was really less than he would make on one episode of Frasier. Uh, but, uh, but God, God was, was working, working in his life, life. and he, he just was having this sort of spiritual awakening of his own, which continued to this day in a, in a profound way in his life. The movie changed us all, but it really, really moved him and changed him. And, um, and, uh, and he, but when he said yes to the film, just the night before, he had been really meditating on like doing something meaningful in his work. And the script came in the next day. And, uh, and the offer came in. So God was working and he said yes immediately. And, uh, you know, when you can, when you can be Frasier and you can do like Macbeth, you know, um, that's range, you know, and that's range few actors have. And I just felt that was the scope of the role of, there was a lot of humor to the movie naturally, but also there needed to be some real gravitas. And, uh, he's one of the finest actors and most incredible people that I've ever worked with. And I remember we went to Greg Laurie's crusade, uh, in, in LA and I was up in the press box with he and his family and we're listening to Greg and, and all the invitation happened. And I'm like, where'd Kelsey go? So you go to the bathroom. And, uh, and then all of a sudden all the security channels lit up and they're like, Kelsey Grammer's down on the field responding to the invitation. I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, what do we do? I don't have, a, I don't have a playbook for this. Do we call security or the best pastor? But I went down there and, and, and uh, 
stood with him and it was it was it was meaningful in his life and uh and uh it's just it's it's another thing whether it's it's he or dennis quaid or you know god's just working in in uh in 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 people in the industry in a pretty profound way and he was incredible to work with well this was awesome we have time for one more quick question then we need to wrap up in prayer so one one final question here so john i i for one am incredibly impressed with uh, all that you've been able to accomplish uh thus far in your life, so keep up the great work. But I guess my question is, how will you know when your work is done? What, 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 what does success look like? What does your life achievement look like for you into the future, you know? What an incredible question to end on. Um, that's a great question. Um, and I'll try to answer it as quickly as I can. I, I think, uh, I think I noticed something early on was that there was these anomaly successes, um, but none of them ever galvanized into an institution. Like Pixar never became, uh, I'm sorry, Toy Story never became Pixar. Star Wars never became Lucasfilm, you know? And uh, there were these life-changing anomalies, and I'm grateful to you know live in the house that one built, you know. But but uh, you know, but I think the industry is so competitive, and so sort of like um, volatile and cutthroat that when you win in entertainment, you want to hide it from everybody, like how you did it, and that's not a world-changing way to think, you know. And um, and so when we started with Lionsgate and went with this, you know, with Kingdom Story Company. You know, the question really became, what can we do together that none of us can do alone? And what can be built to last? And, um, you know, I'm much more inspired by creating something. Um, just very quickly, my, our, our son, who's nine now, and, uh, and the heart and soul of our family and hysterical, uh, when he was three, he had open heart surgery and very unexpected and very risky. And at the time, I was uh, I was directing a documentary on on the uh, Hollywood icon Steve McQueen, and it was coming out in theaters in the fall, and we were working on it as it was slated for release. So tickets were already being sold, and we were also in post on I can only imagine, and we'd raise the money, and um, and this happened with with, with Sam. Well, the first rule of show business is the show must go on, and so I had to recruit and replace myself in the director's chair. And I had to empower someone else to do the job and will them on to success and guide them. And um, I remember his name's Ben Smallbone that came to direct the film. And I remember sitting in the audience um, when that film released and Sam pulled through and it was the scariest two weeks of our life, but, but uh, it was bonding. And, um, and I was able to be there, you know, and, and uh, sat in the, in the premiere of the movie thinking, you know, Ben didn't do as good a job as I could have done with this film. He actually did better. He took the ideas to a, a layer of depth that I wouldn't have had time for and added his own creativity. And I learned that I actually loved empowering someone else and guiding a team. I love that even more than doing the job myself. And that's when I thought, my, my goodness, we can scale this business, you know? And, uh, and I just, I, I, my dream is that we can form something instead of competing with each other, um, you know, competing with, you know, Pure Flix and Hallmark and, you know, all these other entities. Uh, why can't we work together and go compete with Universal and Paramount, you know, and, and, and build something that could take its place 
And it, can you imagine if you could form an institution like that and, um, and get it going and get that flywheel turning? I'll give you an amazing stat uh, with Jesus Revolution. More people sat in theaters in, in that film than uh, in a seven week period than about 30 years of Harvest Crusades, you know, with our partner, Greg Laurie. Uh, that's the power. And this did a $25 million profit, this movie. And so the idea that we could get the gospel to be profitable and sustainable and enduring. So there's a line in that great play, Hamilton, where he says, God help and forgive me. I wanna, I wanna build something that's gonna outlive me. To me, the work will be done when we've created an institution that's profitable and sustainable and telling stories like this and, and has the ability to do that for decades. That's, the, that's and empowering others to do it. That would be success uh, in, in my point of view and a success beyond what we can do individually. Amen, that, that is awesome. Well, one final round of applause for John. John, thank you so much for your time, for getting up early, spending time with us. Uh, thank you for your story and how God's been using you since the age of 12. You really uh, inspired us. There's so much nuggets, of, so many nuggets of wisdom in there. Thank you for your Star Wars reference. Thank you for um, the reminder of uh, being on the offense. You know, we were made to invade. Thank you for reminding us that we may be in a season of preparation for a season of influence. You really inspired us, and I really appreciate your story and testimony. Thank um, you. Privilege to be here. Yep.